Hello, my name is Aziz and I'm the son of a divorced mother. She is really my superhero. That's why it's important for me to support women to share their uniqueness, their personalities, perspectives, and emotions about this world. In these difficult times in human history, we need to bring the people of the world together. And when we hear the voices of women, when we listen to real lives of women from other countries, we connect our cultures without differences or stereotypes, and we get inspired by their stories to live a better life. That's what this podcast is all about. My guest today is Arina Omar. Arina is ethnically Sudanese, raised in the UK, and she moved to Abu Dhabi eight years ago and now lives in New York City. Arina enjoys singing, making TikToks, travel, and learning philosophy. She is interested in popular culture, African resurgence in economics, agriculture, beauty, and self-care, and she works in public relations and communications, in business development, and as a social media strategist. Arina, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. It's great to meet you. I'm excited for this podcast. Um, today, I'm I'm okay. I finished work a bit late last night, but today I'm feeling awakened and relaxed and refreshed. I love hearing that. I'm really curious to know more about you as a person. And so let's begin this conversation with this simple, nice question. If your friends and the people who know you best and love you most could describe your personality, what would they say about you? Um, those who are very close to me will know that I'm very sweet. I'm I'm definitely a marshmallow of a human being. I liken myself to Wagyu, well-marbled and super soft. Um, I'm quite easygoing. The, my, my brothers would describe me as an agent of chaos. Sometimes I just say what's on my mind, even if it's like definitely not okay to say out loud. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm funny sometimes, especially when I'm not trying to be. And sometimes I come up with a good or a few good nuggets of wisdom. Well, I hope we will get many of those nuggets of wisdom in this episode, but no pressure. <laughs> so I'll ask you, you said sometimes you were like, throwing a bomb into your brother's ears or whatever it is, which is fine. And I would like to know more. What's the mindset or perspective that allows you to say what's on your mind without fearing the judgment of others? Because this can inspire or instruct or give some new ideas to some women who might be too afraid of the judgment of others to value their own thoughts and ideas? Wow, that's like such a good question. I can definitely see that being true. Just to relate everything back to my childhood, I definitely think it's because I grew up going to an all-girls school, so single-sex education. From the age of seven until 15, I only went to school with girls. And I think that did a lot of things for me regarding my self-confidence and my ability to have an opinion and it be different to someone else's and be okay with it. I think women are often taught at a very young age not to have strong opinions, to be kind of soft, be malleable, not be difficult. 
And as I've grown up, what every time someone has told me, oh, you know what, you're being difficult, or this is a difficult woman thing to say or do, I don't even get offended by that. I'm like, thank God I'm difficult. You know, if you come off to someone as difficult, that means you're challenging them. That means you're coming up with an alternative perspective. You're offering maybe a solution to something they have never seen a problem to have a solution for. I think there's definitely like barriers to it. You can't be like a Kanye West where you say anything, whatever you want to say, even if it's hurtful or like problematic. Um, but if you are convicted and you truly believe what you're saying, you should never have a problem with pushback. You should never feel insecure about someone disagreeing with you if you truly believe that it's right. Um, that thought has been in your mind for, for a reason and you feel compelled to say it for a reason. And if it's, you know, useful and it's adding to the conversation, I don't see a problem with it, even if people don't agree with you. I would, my advice to women would be, it's okay to be wrong. Sometimes you're going to say something that's wrong. Sometimes you're going to say something that's bad. And you need to be around people who are smart enough to realize that some of us always have or always will say something a bit problematic or a bit wrong, but, you know, kind enough to correct them and um, intelligent enough to give them the correct answer or maybe a better answer. So I think it all comes with human beings need to give each other grace. So if you do say something wrong or have a stupid opinion of on something, you know, you should be graceful and say, you know, what, I don't agree with that because um, instead of being so quick to jump and then women should feel convict convicted in what they want to say and be strong willed. Like it's, it's okay to have that opinion if someone doesn't agree with you. But I also think growing up as a Muslim and also like a black person in a very predominantly white Christian country also makes um, those feelings kind of irrelevant. When you grow up in a society that doesn't look like you and doesn't have the same religious, cultural or spiritual ideas to you, you grow up with a little bit of I wouldn't say a thicker skin, but definitely like an understanding that those people have that belief because of their culture and that's okay. I have this belief because of a different culture and that's okay, you know? I love that. And it makes me think, if you consider Africa as a woman and since you're very interested in the resurgence of Africa, especially economically, what things do you give as advice to Africa as a continent or as a woman? What things do you feel are weak or stopping that resurgence? And why is that so important for you? Just from like a historical perspective, Africa is cool. Like, you know, I always tell people, I truly believe Sudan is like the crack of Jannah, like heaven. <laughs> you know, everything is there. The Nile is there and the Nile is in all, all three books, you know, the Torah. The Quran, the Bible is a reference to the Nile. Um, it's got the most fertile land. We have a beautiful, you know, different terrains. Um, so I really think Africa is a very special continent. And I actually, I think everyone thinks that and knows that. And that's why everyone wants their hands all over it. Uh, another reason why I'm so interested in Africa is because we have a strong matriarchal culture. From If you go, you know, to Morocco and then you go to Zimbabwe, we always have, we have strong women, strong women in the continent. That's our thing. You know, we have strong motherly maternal women and all of our best moments, our empires, you know, kingdom of Kush or like ancient Egypt or even like other ones in like West Africa, you can even argue that, but like, you know, they have a lot of female involvement. I think the downfall of like Africa economically really occurred because you know, I guess you can instigate colonialism, but a lot of colonialism is wrapped up in like intense Western patriarchy. Oh God, I sound very, <laughs> very cliche. 
but it's true. I think we as African people, if we can, even though it's a huge continent, we need to reimagine or maybe re re redact or retract, sorry, back to ourselves into a society that's very matriarchal. Um, if we're going to go tribal, we should, you know, focus on us as a collective and um, we need to put women and children at the forefront. Another issue with, for example, in Sudan, what we're suffering from is um, we can't afford like basic necessities. People are unable to like, you know, feed their families. Women are half the workforce in Sudan and around the world. Women are also doing predominantly a lot of the housework in, in Sudan and around the world. So if you invest in women, you're you're affecting two major parties. You're affecting 50% of your workforce and the children they're raising. So women are a huge section of society in Africa that we should be backing like crazy, giving them all the resources and giving them the help they need to survive. First of all, because it helps our economy right now. And then it will help our children who are being raised by them in the future. That's kind of how I see it on like a, a grand scheme. I hope that answers your question. It does. Thank you very much. And as someone who was having real life experiences with many cultures and at least four continents, because if you think about Sudan in Africa, uh, Abu Dhabi in Asia, the UK in Europe, and now New York City in the Americas or in North America, how do you adapt to that, did it make you a cosmopolitan kind of person or did it make you even more African and in a way reinforced your own cultural uh, biases and belonging even deeper than if you were born and raised in Sudan where you didn't know anything different? And if so, to speak about that, do you believe that assimilation is actually real and something possible because a lot of people who were born outside their mother country actually feel this sense of loss that they want to reconnect even more and have more patriotism than people who happen to be born in their own home country and grow there so they have nothing to miss. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'll hit the first question or first section of your question, which is the cosmopolitan thing. Um, the first time I ever I ever traveled was when I watched TV. And I know that sounds very weird, but I was like a TV addict as a child. <laughs> I grew up in like the best era of Disney Channel. And then when I got a bit older, I started watching like Gossip Girl. And then when I got a bit older, I started watching like Dynasty and these kind of like old school kind of American uh, drama televisions. And that was the first time I traveled and learned about people outside of myself. And I, and I think it's very powerful. I feel like TV today is so different now. It's it's a lot more similar. It's a lot more Netflixy. It's a lot more, you know, the, the characters are given to you. There's no development. Whereas like back in the day, your, your TV, you grew up with your TV characters in a way. So I grew up in Suffolk in England. And that's the countryside. It's about an hour and a half, two hours from London. And it was glaringly obvious that this wasn't where I was from. Um, that's that's very common amongst all people who aren't white in England because there's English and that means you're white English. And then there's British, which means you have the passport, but you're obviously not from England. So I was always considered a British person. And I definitely felt a sense of, you know, yeah, I'm from England. That makes sense. My accent, the way I dress, the way I talk, the way I do my makeup, you know, it's definitely influenced. But when I was 15 years old, something clicked and I was like, I just do not feel like I belong here. Um, and it, I had a deep, deep, deep sense of it. And I, I kind of got, I became restless and difficult. 
And that's when I kind of pushed my parents to let me move to Abu Dhabi. So my dad grew up in Abu Dhabi his whole life. His, his sister was born there. And my granddad helped build the country. He was like one of the first engineers, you know, when they used to bring people to help them build the country. That was like what my grandparents did. And I felt for the first time in my life that I felt like I belonged to something because I think my family had roots there. They had important roots. They had known roots. They had things that they could see. They had common memories. When I walked around and I met people, they were like, oh yeah, I know your family from this, this and that and that. And that was nice for me. That never happened to me in England. There was no sense of belonging. There was no attempt from the society to make me feel like a sense of belonging. And Abu Dhabi made more sense culturally to to align with me. You know, it's it's a Muslim country, I guess. I don't know if that's like official, but it's a Muslim country, but it's super cosmopolitan and super inclusive and welcoming of everyone, whether you're the most religious person or whether, you know, you don't have a religion. So I loved that. It was the perfect hybrid. And that's why I chose to stay for so long. And I decided to stay for university too. When I moved to America, it was the first time I felt like an immigrant. And I tell people this all the time. And I use the word immigrant and not expat for a reason. I feel like there's a racial undertone with the word expat and immigrant. You give people with um, passports that grant you higher, you know, ease or easeability. So American, British, New Zealand, Irish, they're expats. People from, you know, Pakistan, India, um, various parts of Africa, they're considered immigrants in like the expatriate world, right? So when I moved to America, I felt like an immigrant for the first time. Granted, it's called the country of immigrants, but it felt even different because Till this day, when I go to Sephora, they can't understand me. I have to write down my questions. I, When I buy meat from the butchers, they can't understand me. My fashion is different. My mannerisms are different. I eat slower than these people. Like I use my hands. They have different things going on. And so I definitely felt I feel different here for sure. And I think that's because the American mindset amazing in the sense that these people all have a common thread running throughout them like I know they'll be like no we're a mess and we're not we're nothing alike we're constantly fighting and I'm just like you guys are a bit delusional because as someone an outsider looking in I feel like Americans are extremely similar to each other and I'm the sore thumb sticking out um your second part of the question if I'm not wrong was a simulation do I think it's necessary um you know what I want to say, no, it's not necessary, but if I'm being truly honest, I think it is necessary and it's welcomed uh, if you want to have a good life and an easy life. I think I've definitely assimilated to a lot of things. Um, Sometimes I assimilate unknowingly. It's just rubbed off on me. When I live in Abu Dhabi, I'm pretty much in Abaya and Shayla like three times a week. I find it easier for myself because I hate thinking of outfits to wear and I love how elegant and clean it looks. When I'm in the US, I I don't know, I wear things from Aritzia. Like I feel like that's an assimilation. So I, I think there is a degree. It makes your life a lot easier to be a versatile person. I think, however, some people deeply suffer with identity crisis when they assimilate too far out of their comfort zone. So I always tell people, you know, check in with yourself. Like, do you really like this or are you just being influenced? I think it's important to keep that balance within yourself. But only you can do that. Thank you. That's very, very interesting. And now that you're being flexible and being part of the times and someone who loves making TikTok videos, 
What attracts you to this? What do you try to share with the world? Or is there something like a value that pushes you to be so interested in creating TikTok videos? What emotions does it give you? And what part does it hold within your life? So yeah, everyone check out my TikTok, Arena Oma. So A-R-E-E-N-A-O-M-E-R. <laughs> my TikToks are very random and they are just a part of my life, which I post for joy. And I, I've, I've monetized from my TikTok following, yes, uh, but for something completely random that a lot of people don't know about. Uh, the way I've made money off TikTok is that I use it to promote my small business. I help children, well, not children, I guess young adults, get into university and pursue higher education. Um, so I help people kind of apply to universities, hold their hand through the process, and then tell them how to get scholarships or what scholarships to apply for. I was really fortunate to get a full ride to NYU Abu Dhabi and um, I wouldn't have been able to write the best essay or know what was going on if I didn't have some help. Uh, I had help in the form of um, older brothers and then older, um, older like family friends who had done the process before. Um, applying for FAFSA, which is a thing you do for financial aid in America, I had no clue what I was doing. Like it took me hours every single time to do it because I had no one else to help me with, with it. And so paying that forward is really important to me. And that's what I do on the side or I used to do on the side. It's very seasonal. It's pretty much whenever uh, application season comes in. My other TikToks are just like beauty and just like funny things and satire and references to pop culture. Because sometimes in your life, it's not about making money. It's not about value. It's just about feeding your inner child. You deserve to have fun. You know, you deserve to make a video because you think it's, it's, it's cute or, you know, hilarious and then share it with your friends. That's why I love TikTok. My value, I hope that when people look at my TikToks, they either laugh or leave a funny comment and keep it going because I do have very um, specific humor, let's say. And yeah, and it plays, it plays a kind of daily part of my life. I probably make a TikTok a week. I like to do it for the to make memories. Before TikTok existed, I filmed every single day of my life on Snapchat. So I have documented from when I was 14 until I was until now 23. I have 10 years of my life on camera and I love it. And I love looking back. I'm super sentimental. So is my grandma. My grandma has kept every single photo she has ever taken. And she has photos from 1940s or um, all the way up to now, 2023. So we love to archive our memories. Thank you. That's interesting. So you're sentimental and your grandma is. What does it give you when you capture memories, when you document your day? Is it you look back on it to remember those memories? Are you looking for the evolution that you have as a person and to observe that? Or it's just fun and a part of hoarding, like there are some grandmas or whatever that all the gifts they have received they don't use it around the house or the nice clothes or the nice utensils. They just hoard everything and keep it for a future day that never comes. Is it similar in its instinct or how does it go? No, that's hilarious. No, I'm my grandma is 100% a hoarder and so am I. <laughs> I'm a grandma at heart. I, yes, I would say I am a bit of a hoarder. I'm extremely sentimental. Something I love about pictures and capturing the moment is that it makes me, it reminds me of being grateful. So um, a loved one in my life 
has, um, well, they died now, but they, they had Alzheimer's and so they couldn't remember everything. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit anxious about forgetting things. And so I love looking back and just having that that reminder that it happened. Another thing is that, uh, I had another friend who she, she, she has a tragic kind of condition. I don't really, I don't really know what it is. I'm pretty sure it's, it's somewhat psychological and, and physical, but she cannot talk and, and walk as she used to, but I love remembering her the way that I captured her. So I love all our little memories and they live in my head, but you know, I wish I had pictures and, and videos, but I didn't have a video phone back then. Back then we all had like the flip up Nokia <laughs> and Motorola. So it was a bit different, but um, you know, those things are things I treasure, you know, life is so fickle and so quick. And sometimes everyone just needs to take a break and look back and see, you know, what you've achieved, who you've loved, the moments you've captured. It's so beautiful. So I I really do love it. Um, but I am definitely weird about it. Like I'll take a picture of like my mom eating and she's like, please stop. And I'm like, I just, you just look so beautiful. You know, I just need to capture this and remember it forever. So that's just like my thing. That's funny. And I understand exactly what you're talking about. I'm really curious even more about your interest in philosophy because you seem to be a self-reflective person who aims to understand yourself and the world, etc. So I like uh, your answers very much. And to finish this with something, you are now living abroad in New York City. You have lived in different places. You decided to move from the UK to Abu Dhabi, which are big decisions. There are many girls and women in this world who are not finding their confidence in order to pursue their dreams, whether it's because they worry about the judgment of other people or because their brain is telling them, oh, it's too dangerous, stay in your comfort zone, or nobody will care, or you'll fail, and then you'll be humiliated or in a dangerous situation, etc. What's your advice for them as well as to yourself, maybe a mindset, a belief you have, a perspective on the world that allows you to take more risks and that could inspire other women to go out of their comfort zone more and go after all their big dreams without limiting themselves. Yes. To be honest, I struggle with this sometimes. And I know lots of people will be like, how How do you struggle with that? You put yourself out on the internet. You moved out of your parents' house. You've done so many different things. You, you're doing it. And I'm like, I am scared so much, like all the time. And my my parents and my brother and my grandmother sick of me I'm constantly like crying uh, not crying but like it's constantly having like these moments of like I'm so scared about everything and sometimes you're just going to be scared and you have to do it anyway sometimes you're going to be scared and you have to do it anyway I recently heard a great line and this is something God has left in my mind echoing and I think for a reason this guy at dinner said to me, he said to the whole table, he said, in order to achieve something that you want to do, you have to burn the ship. And it's the concept of when you've arrived to your destination, there is no plan B. You only have plan A. In this life, you only have one life. You need to make sure that you do everything you want to do. You do everything you're meant to do and you're meant to do it in the right way because you only get this once. I am Muslim, so I believe in I believe in an afterlife. So I do believe this is just one phase of our existence. You know, I believe the soul will go on. 
but this is your chance now, your, cog- you know, your cognitive, your, your mental state to now be, you know, thoughtful and do what you want to do in this, in this life. That's another thing I quite like about death. It will end. So, <laughs> so, you know, be scared, be worried, be nervous, have the breakdown, do it anyway. Do not let anything hold you back and especially people's opinions. I think a lot of women, regardless of culture and religion, they suffer from, uh, but what about the nurse? This is like a concept in a nurse in English means uh, people. And it's a thing that, you know, girls have grown up with whispered in their ears forever, which is what will the people think of me if I do this? What will they think? What will they, what will they do? And it's the way that we kind of get insecure about things. And sometimes you've got to be like, you know what, who cares what they think? They mean nothing and they are nothing to me. So why am I putting so much importance? Why am I putting so much, you know, power behind these people's words? The only people's words that should matter to you in your, in your life are the people you respect. So hopefully that's your parents uh, the people you love, hopefully that's, you, you know, your siblings and your friends and then God and God has never let you down. He's always, you know, redirected you, pivoted you, explained to you, given you lessons to learn. And usually on average, you can see where God has done good things for you. And more often it's good than bad, hopefully. And you need to bank on that statistic. It's going to be good for you. It's going to work out for you. It's destined for you. When God says, yeah, no one can say no. That's the, that's the reality. So you've got to keep pushing through. Do not get held up on people's opinions that do not matter or do not influence you. And one thing I can say, advice to myself and advice to women, heavy on the advice to myself, is don't let any doubt move you. Doubt is not a prediction. Doubt is not a verdict. Doubt is just a little bit of fear and you need to use that fear and move it to stress and the stress will hopefully move your engine and you will get going. You will get momentum, you know? One thing I like to listen to, it's, it, he is a Christian and I, I love listening to Christian sermons and I love going to church. I love learning about other people's religions. Um, is Matthew Perry's, no, I would say Matthew Perry, Tyler Perry, sorry. Ta- Tyler Perry's uh, speech and I think it's called Climb and Ma- Maintain. If you if you YouTube Tyler Perry, Climb and Maintain, listen to that whole sermon. It's all about the, the prophet Yusuf and how he had these dreams. And it was all about how God puts these dreams in your heart for a reason. If you go to bed with that dream and you wake up with that dream and you hear that dream and it keeps coming to you as a dream, as a motivator, as a pusher, then that dream is for you to claim and you have to work towards that dream. That's not random, you know, that's your purpose. So I really, I love that speech and I listen to that every time I feel down. So yeah. Thank you so much. I'm sure that people, many people will look and watch and search for that speech. It sounds absolutely powerful. And thank you, Arina, for sharing your voice, for your insights, the gems of wisdom that you spoke about and promised earlier in the beginning. Thank you again for participating in this project. And I wish you a lot more success and soon enough to gain the experience that will allow you to live comfortably back in the UAE or any place where you're closer to home. And thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this experience. So yeah. (laughs) 